0: Good morning, church. doesn't get much better than that, hearing what God has been doing in someone's life. And if you are visiting us this morning, as Andrew's already said, warm welcome. Uh, we're so thankful to God that you're here. I also want to give a special thanks this morning to uh, Jeff Perci- uh, Percival, uh, who's on sound today. You might not be aware, but he is the last man standing. Uh, the rest of the sound team either has COVID or is on holidays, and Jeff has... Uh, very kindly stepped in today to to make this service run. So can we thank Jeff for an excellent job? Well, a warm welcome again. You know, as Andrew has already said, whatever your faith background, whatever your religious experience, whether you count yourself as being religious or not, uh, we want to thank you for coming here this morning. Uh, We understand that a lot of people uh, are actually always sick and listening online. So if you're Visiting us online this morning as well, a warm welcome. We want to say to you, you are welcome here. Uh, we are looking forward to celebrating more with you, uh, here this Sunday morning on International Sunday. You know, the truth is moving to this city, to Sydney, can be really hard. And it can be really hard to know where you fit. Our culture, it's often said, is friendly, but not interested in making friends. And I wonder if that's your experience. Uh, A friend uh, shared with me, uh, who's a migrant to Australia, that as part of their work, they did cultural training for moving to Australia. And they were told that Australians are very slow to invite people into their homes and that that is only reserved for close friends. But here's the problem in our city. People are so busy juggling work and family. Who has time to develop new friends? And so the fruit can be years and years and years that pass by without ever getting an invite into someone's home. Uh, just this week, in Time Out magazine, there was an article entitled, Sydney has been ranked as the third worst city in the world for making new friends. Uh, almost three quarters of respondents uh, in this article said that making new friends was either hard or impossible in Sydney. Um our only uh, city only was uh, outperformed uh, on that survey by two other cities, which were Copenhagen and, and Stockholm. Uh, the fruit is that for many people, moving to Sydney can be a hugely disappointing experience, an isolating experience, which has only been heightened by the pandemic. And you find yourself living in an incredibly beautiful place, but all alone, with no friends. And you can find yourself asking questions like, why did I even move to Sydney in the first place? Do I matter to anyone? Will I ever be able to call this place home? So this morning is really a celebration of what God has done in this community. He has taken people from all over the world and he's given them a home here in this church community. Now, people from all over the globe have found a welcome and a home in our community. More than 25 countries, from India to Iraq... From Colombia to China, from Brunei to Barrow, from Singapore to South Africa have all found a home here. And so if you're new and visiting us this morning, we want to welcome you here as well. We want to say, you are so welcome here. There's no pressure, just an open door. You are welcome here. And so we're going to look today at a passage from the Bible to understand not simply why we want to welcome you here, but why God wants to welcome you here as well. Uh, If you're new to the Bible, the passage we're going to be reading from comes from the first letter of Peter. Uh, If you don't have a Bible here, it's going to be on the screen, so uh, we're going to read it together in in a moment. But this is a passage written by one of the very first followers of Jesus, the Apostle Peter. And this passage was written at a time when there were very serious consequences for following Jesus. Uh, You could lose your job. You would likely be socially uh, shunned and shamed. You could be tortured and killed for following Jesus. And the people who Peter is writing to had likely been converted to faith in Rome, and as a result of their new faith, had been forced to spread across to the outer reaches of the empire to find stability, to find safety, and to find refuge in life. And so Peter, at the very start of his letter, he begins it like this. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles, you could translate that as to those who are temporary residents of the dispersion. Uh, He goes on and in the verse that follows our passage in Peter chapter two, first Peter chapter two, verse 11, he says, beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. You could translate that perhaps as I urge you as temporary residents and migrants. Um, This is a letter addressed, not just to Christians who often feel out of place in the world, but to anyone who feels displaced and feels out of place. Peter is writing to help those scattered people to see how they can find a new identity, a new purpose, and a new home while being far from home. Through a note taken this morning, uh, as I know many of us are, I've entitled this message, A New Home. And really, there's going to be three points that come from our passage. We're going to take most of the time on the very first verse, verse four, that I'm going to be reading from first Peter chapter two, verse four. So don't freak out if it's like, it's going a long time on verse four and where are we going? Uh, that's okay. We spend most of the time there, but really one hope for us this morning, which is simply this. That Jesus offers a new home to all who come to him. Doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter what your religion is, doesn't matter what your ethnicity is, Jesus offers a new home to everyone, to all who come to him. So let's read our passage uh, this morning before I pray for us and we get stuck into unpacking it. It's 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 4, and it's going to be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. This is the word of God to us this morning, church. Uh, Peter writes the following. He says, as you come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of God chosen and precious, you yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer the cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we want to thank you this morning that you are a God who speaks to us. And as we gather around your word to look at Jesus, we pray, Lord God, open our eyes, soften our hearts, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's dive right into our passage this morning by looking at our very first point, point number one, and if you're taking notes, a new foundation, or as I've also called it, the tale of two cities. You know, if there's one thing that the Mascot Towers incident of 2019 taught us, it is that the quality of the foundations you build upon really matters. You know, it's more than three years now since that uh, tragedy, And the vast majority of, actually, all the residents of that building are still unable to return home. See, our passage begins by taking us to the very foundation of how God can welcome you into into your new home, and that is through Jesus Christ himself. You know, if you're new to the Bible, or perhaps even if you've been reading the Bible for a while, this passage contains some references that at first... Might seem to you a little bit puzzling. Firstly, uh, why is this man, this him being called a living stone? Well, today we're going to unpack them. We're going to unpack these confusing references to find the gold that is hidden inside. If we dig a little deeper, So I'm going to read that verse first. Verse 4 again. That one I said. We're going to spend a lot of time on this one. And then going to unpack it. And so we can really get the gold from within. Let's read verse 4 again. It says this. It says. As you come to him. A living stone. Rejected by men. But in the sight of God. Chosen and precious. Okay. Why is this him. This man. Called a living stone. And why was he rejected? And why would we come to a living stone in the first place? Well, obviously, this is symbolic language. Obviously, you can't be a stone and a person at the same time, and you can't be a stone and alive at the same time. Well, what is Peter talking about? Uh, it's so confusing. What is he talking about? Well, we know that this living stone is actually a reference to Jesus himself, because Jesus himself famously describes himself as being the foundation stone of the kingdom God is building. In Matthew's account of Jesus' life, Jesus tells a story to the religious leaders of his day about a wealthy man who built for himself a vineyard. He planted the vineyard. He built a fence around this vineyard. He built a watchtower to protect it, and he leased it out. And the season for harvest arrives, and he goes to collect his rent in grapes by sending some of his servants. But the renters, the tenants of this vineyard, they beat some of these servants, Uh, they kill other servants that are sent to them. But out of love, this owner, this builder is not deterred. He sends more and more servants, and the same thing happens. And finally, Jesus says, this owner sends his very own son. But the tenants, they shamefully treat this son, and they cast him out, and they kill him. And Jesus concludes this story by asking the religious leaders of his day, listening in, a question. He says this in Matthew chapter uh, 21, verse 40. Jesus says, When therefore the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those tenants, those renters? And they, that's the religious leaders, said to him, Or he will put those wretches to a miserable death, and he'll let out the vineyard to other tenants who will give the fruits in their seasons. And Jesus said to them, Have you never read in the scriptures? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. See, Jesus quotes a passage from the Old Testament that's also quoted in our passage. And it describes an important building project with a stone that was rejected. And that stone was, in fact, God's cornerstone. The cornerstone is the most important stone in the foundation of a building. It joins two walls together and sets the direction for the walls that are going to be built upon it. Get your cornerstone wrong, and you end up with mascot towers. You end up with opal towers. You end up with an unlivable building. You end up with chaos. And Jesus is saying that just as these three, these renters killed the landlord's son rather than pay him what he owed, God has ordained for the foundational element of what he is building to be rejected. Okay, you might be saying, all right, uh, Brendan, wow, there's a lot to take in right here. These, these renters, this story, it's a bit confusing. And what has it got to do with feeling at home in Sydney? It's got everything to do with it. So just hang in there with me a little bit longer. You see, the truth is we constantly tell ourselves stories to explain who we are, to explain why we're here, to explain where we're going and what life is all about. And everybody tells a story that explains who they are. You don't have to be religious to do it. Your story might be that your life is a a product of blind chance in a cold universe, that working hard and good fortune has landed you in Australia, and that happiness and retirement await if you can work hard enough. But that is still a story that you're telling yourself. And yet the Bible teaches a different story of a world with two building projects, the building project of God and the building project of man. See, the Bible teaches that God is a loving relationship, a father who loves his son through the Holy Spirit, and that he made and sustains the world and everything in it. And when he'd finished making the world, he looked at it and he said, it is very good. It is beautiful. And that he made us all as people uniquely valuable above every creature because he made us in his image. We all have a value and a worth as people, Because in some way, we reflect the very nature of God himself. That is just an amazing point to even stop and consider that we are like, in some way, our maker. And he placed the very first people to live in a garden temple, to tend to that temple, to serve God, to enjoy a rich relationship with him. And so they did. And it says in Genesis that God walked with man in the cool of the day. But humanity quickly rejected God and serving in his temple, choosing instead to be the masters of their own destiny. Choosing instead to build their own city, to build their own temple. And so began the project of building the city of man instead. And so we read in Genesis 11... Uh, Mankind says, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top to the heavens and let us make a name for ourselves. The picture is of people rejecting the one for whom they were made, rejecting the, the one for whom they were made to be in relationship. And this, according to the story of the Bible, is the heart of our brokenness as people. We were made to love and serve and worship our maker. And yet rather than living according to our purpose, we we as a culture reject all sources of external authority and follow our passions and desires instead. But the story of the Bible says that rather than this way of living, following our passions and desires as being the good life that we should pursue, that this kind of self-focus is the ultimate source of all of our problems. That every broken relationship, every war, every injustice that occurs in this world ultimately has as its source people being true to themselves, people following their own desires and passions. And yet the greatest consequence of our denial of the building project of God, of our denial of relationship with God, is being cut off from the one for whom we were made. To be separated from God. More since God is our designer, maker, and sustainer, it's not only that this is harmful to ourselves, but it's treacherous. It's rejecting his rule. You know, if the war in Ukraine teaches us anything, it's a vivid example of the consequences of attacking another nation. You know, so many times in the news at the moment, you see blown out buildings with Russian flags raised. And you see the heartbreak of someone invading another country at great cost to the people involved. And yet the truth of the scripture is that we have been participating in building the rival city of man in a land that is not ours. In a land and with a people who belong to God. And God's purpose yet is to for us to love him with everything we have and our neighbors secondly. And yet we have rejected his good purpose for us. And yet God is a loving father with a son who he loves by the Holy Spirit and committed to rescuing and restoring people to himself. And so he sent messenger after messenger to call people back to himself. And yet the result is repeated rejection and abuse as we return now to the story that Jesus has been telling You see, Jesus is describing something that's symbolic of what is happening in the world, that the owner of the world has been repeatedly rejected and abused by those to whom he entrusted the care of the world in the first place. The renters have been abusing the owner, culminating in rejecting his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the builders in Jesus' story were the people he was addressing. They were the, the leaders of his people, their representatives. And the obvious question is, then, why would these builders reject this stone that is so precious to God? Well, the answer is because they're building a different city. They're building the city of man. This is the natural condition of all of us. And yet our passage makes it even more broad. It says of Jesus, a living stone rejected by who? rejected by men, rejected by all of us. But God has purposed to build his city, to build his kingdom upon Jesus. He is the critical stone in the kingdom of God. And Jesus had come in order to build the kingdom of God by dealing with the penalty of our treason and restoring us to God. This was the purpose for which the Son of God came in the first place, to take our place as a once-for-all sacrifice. He came to be rejected. He came to be killed. He came to be nailed to the cross and upon the cross to take our penalty. But he didn't simply die. He rose back to life on the third day, conquering death, a picture of God's plan to put an end to all of the suffering and all of the brokenness in the world. And that is why he's not just the stone, but he is the living stone because he's not dead. He is alive and he's able to rescue from death and decay all who trust in him. You you might be sitting here this morning and feel yourself getting a bit skeptical at this point. Maybe you're new to Jesus and not sure if you accept these claims. Well, if that's you, we're so thankful that you're here this morning, present or listening online. We we really hope that you feel a welcome here in this community. You see, the radical sacrifice of Jesus is the foundation of the welcome to the church, of the welcome of our church to all people. Jesus' example of radical love in laying down his life for the enemies of God is the calling of every follower of Jesus. And it's the reason why the doors of the church are always open to all. Every person is precious to God. Every person is made in his image. Jesus came for all people, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of background or religion. You see, skepticism is no surprise to God. Our passage teaches us that to reject the claims of Jesus is the natural condition of every person. Verse 4, he was rejected by men. Verse 8, he's a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. You might be sitting there thinking, Brennan, why is he laboring this point about Jesus being the living stone so much? Well, the reason is that this is the greatest choice a person will face in their life. Will they build their life upon the living stone or stumble over him in an attempt to build the kingdom of man? And that is point number one, a new foundation, the tale of two cities. You see, Jesus' claim to be the chosen living stone is the foundation of God's plan to restore humanity to himself through Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection. It's the key also to feeling at home in Sydney. More than that, it's the key to feeling at home anywhere in the world. To be reconciled to your maker. It's it's why we as a church are called to love and welcome all people. This is the greatest welcome a person can receive And that is the welcome offered by God to join him in his building project and to build your life upon Jesus, the living stone. Well, if you're here this morning and you're unsure about these claims of Jesus, there is not a person in this room that cannot relate to that feeling. That is part of all of our story. And yet this morning, I want to invite you to an exercise. I want to invite you to consider with me, to imagine with me this morning about what it would be like to accept Jesus' claims as being true? How would it transform how you think about yourself? How would it compare to our culture's advice about being true to yourself and following your dreams? How would living the way of Christ make a difference to our community, to our nation, to our world? And if the fruit is better, maybe it's because this is in accordance with the grain of the universe. Maybe it's because this is the way the world was made to be. Maybe it's because this is true. See, Peter wants these temporary residents, these migrants, to see two further aspects of the radical welcome they can have through Jesus. And that brings us to our next two points. Point number two, the first of which, is a new identity. You know, one of the effects of moving to a new place is that you can lose your sense of self. You know, this week, I had the privilege of talking to someone who had been the victim of human trafficking as a teenager. It was an incredibly harrowing story to hear. And when they found refuge and were finally welcomed into a home some years later, they described the experience as feeling like they got their identity back. Now, thankfully, most of us will never face that kind of horror and yet, if you've ever moved country, you can, it can really shake your sense of identity about who you are. Maybe at one point in life, you were successful. Maybe at one point in life, you were respected and surrounded by friends. And in a new country, all of those things feel like they've been taken away from you. And it leaves you wondering, who am I really? Why am I here? What's the purpose of it all? Peter's writing to these scattered Christians who would have likely been tempted to feel all of the above. Living in a new place, not respected for their faith, perhaps separated from family. And Peter wants to remind them of some beautiful implications of trusting in Jesus, the living stone. And the first is a brand new and far more robust identity that can't be shaken. Read with me verse 5 of our passage. It says the following You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. He says, You yourselves, like what? Like living stones the first and perhaps most profound new identity we receive as followers of Jesus is the identity of Jesus himself. He is the living stone and we are the living stones. You know, on one hand, the teaching of the Bible is that followers of Jesus receive a spiritual transformation. They increasingly share the same heart and desires as Jesus. They become aligned together. But even more than that, His life story Becomes our life story His purpose in life Becomes our purpose in life His manner of life now Becomes ours It shapes and molds ours This has huge implications For how we navigate life And how we think about who we are Just as Jesus was born to live a life of love for God and those around him, so are we. Just as Jesus was misunderstood and rejected by some and never truly at home, so are we. Just as Jesus returned love upon those who hated him, so do we. And just as Jesus rose victorious, From the grave, so will we. See, Peter encourages these temporary residents, these exiles, these migrants, that they have a new and rich identity, even while far from home. And that is that they are living stones. They have the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Isn't that good news? But secondly, not just a new personal identity, but a new family as well. He says, as you yourselves, like living stones, are being built together. How? As a spiritual house. This word for house here is isn't is a reference to a temple or God's house. In the Bible, the idea of a temple, it's not something mystical or secretive. It's the place where God had chosen to reveal himself to his people. In the Old Testament, as we're talking about this morning, it was in one central location with one central people, Mount Zion in Jerusalem, and was only open to a select few people from a certain heritage, from a certain family line. But Peter is not talking about being built together as a physical temple. That would be awkward. Uh, He's talking about a spiritual house, a place where God dwells and reveals himself. See, to follow Jesus is to receive a new identity As a living stone in the house of God, as part of the very fabric of his temple here on earth, to be like a stone in that wall. You know, if you, if you're, if you're here today and you're interested in getting to know more about God or Jesus, the local church is the place to find him. He's called the church, even his very own body. God's presence on earth is most clearly revealed in the midst of his people. If you want to get to know him more, Just spend time with his people. More to follow Jesus is to receive an identity far greater than you alone. It's to be joined to all the people of God throughout the ages, to be built together like a spiritual house. A people formed from every single tribe and language and culture and nation. Just like we read in verse 10 of our passage, it says the following. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. You know, once these Christians were just a collection of random people from random parts of the Roman Empire. There was probably Jews and pagans and maybe even Scythians from a rural backwater. Maybe even barbarians. They were the ESL people of the day, actually. They called them barbarians because they sounded like they were saying Baba all the time. So barbarians, ESL people, uh, slaves and, and free people as well. They were not a people, but God had put them together as a new family. They were people that in your right mind, you should look at and go, what? What are all these people doing together? And yet God, in, in his grace, had made them together into a new nation, a new people. Knit them together by love for Jesus. And that is exactly what he's done in the over 25 cultures of this community as well. That's what I love about this church so much. One of the many things I love, it's a beautiful reflection of that truth. More, it's people joined together by a common need. Mercy from the hand of God found in Jesus. And that's really the heartbeat of this church. We have tasted the goodness of Jesus and his mercy. And we know we're not the people we should be. And yet God has shown his mercy to us. And we want to extend the same welcome and embrace to you as well. You are welcome here. But finally, not just a new foundation, not just a new identity and a new family, but point number three, our final point, a new purpose as well. You know, nearly every person at some point in their life will be faced with the question of, what am I even living for? You know, sometimes the question comes from the brokenness in the world. Uh, you live for your family, and then there's family conflict. Or there's a separation or a divorce, or your kids grow older and they turn on you and they reject you. You live for holidays and the long weekend, and then you're faced with health problems and financial problems, and suddenly you can't travel like you used to anymore. You live for career and then you're overlooked or you're given a redundancy or you just become disillusioned with the office. The truth is pain and brokenness affects everyone at some point in their life. The truth is that around every dining table, in every family, one member will watch everybody else die. And maybe you're asking this question because you've just moved here and things are not going according to your plan. But sometimes the question also comes when everything in the world that is offered to you still leaves you feeling dissatisfied. You know, the American comedian Jim Carrey put it this way. He said, I think everyone should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. That's coming from someone who had it all. See, it's possible to attain all your hopes and dreams in life only to feel the whole experience has been profoundly disappointing because you still feel empty. It's a common experience that many people in our city feel busy, but directionless. Drifting through life and not really sure where they should be headed. And the reason life can often feel so empty is that we weren't made to live for ourselves. But for a different purpose. Verse 9, Peter puts it this way. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. You're a royal priesthood. Now, that's not in the sense of, or sorry, you're a chosen race or a chosen, perhaps better nation from all cultures and languages. A royal priesthood, that's not in the sort of super religious sense of being like a Roman Catholic priest or something like that, but people that are close to God and teach others about God, a people for his own possession, a people so intimately cared for and protected by God. You know, I don't let my son Isaac play with my iPhone. Uh, we call him wacky Zacky for a reason. Uh, it's because he will take my iPhone and use it like a hammer. I protect, we protect the things that are precious to us, our possessions. So it is with God. But lastly, he says, that, this is the purpose of it all, that you may declare the excellencies, the amazing qualities of character of the one who rescued you. What is the reason for which we were made? We were made to worship. The heart of God who made the world, who made you and everything in the universe is so good. And he made you to know him and love him. As a father who loves his son through the Holy Spirit, he chose not to leave his creatures in rebellion, but he came to us at the cost of the Lord Jesus. His desire for all people is to see his beautiful heart and to return to him and be restored to him. And the only right response to knowing him is worship. And that's the great joy. That's the great privilege. That's the great purpose of every follower of Jesus to enjoy the goodness of walking through life with the one for whom we were made. And each and every day in the hard times and the good, returning back to him the thanks and praise. Well, as we close our time together, I want to end by extending the welcome of Christ against everyone present especially those that are new and visiting us this morning. A warm welcome to you. You know, if you're new to our neighborhood or perhaps feeling isolated and disconnected, we pray that you would feel welcome here in this community. Uh, We're really looking forward to you joining us for morning tea, afternoon tea, after the service as well. That's our heartbeat. We trust you've got those flyers on your seats about food with friends, that's simply an initiative that's about connecting people, doing it tough, with families in our community and people in our community that are willing to open their home to you and cook you a meal. Maybe that's for you, maybe if you're listening online or you're here, that's you. Maybe you've gone years and years without ever being invited into someone's home to have a home-cooked meal. Uh, many people we meet in, in, in our neighborhood, that's their story, they've never been invited. And we don't want that to unnecessarily happen. If that's you, or maybe you know someone who that's the situation, Come and connect with us. On that flyer, you'll see a QR code. You can scan that or uh, you can visit the website there. There's a sign-up form to sign up to be welcome to receive uh, a home-cooked meal. That's our heart for our neighborhood and for you. We, we don't want anyone to be needlessly alone. And there's also a simple way in which you can become fully a part of the people of God, um, to become a living stone in the temple of God, to receive a new identity, And it's so simple. It's by just stopping living for yourself. It's by trusting Jesus to be your master and building your life upon him. It's by putting your trust in what he did for you upon the cross and following him. And you can start that that journey today as easily as by just simply praying with someone. doesn't take any fancy things. It's just simply stopping and praying and, and inviting the Lord Jesus into your life. You know, maybe you're here and you have questions. As has been said, I thought David's testimony was so good about how the gospel of John impacted his life and God spoke to him as he prayed and read God's word. We believe that's a wonderful way to encounter God. And so maybe for you, if you're sitting here, you've got questions. Maybe you want to connect with someone to read the Bible. Um, we have that, as we mentioned, that reading the word one-to-one, uh, the, all the sessions go for about 20 minutes. It's just you and someone else over coffee. The first session is 18 sentences, from that biography of jesus's life and at the end you'll be asked two questions which is simply what did you make of that and would you like another coffee and that's all what a beautiful way to have some of those questions engaged with as you meet jesus for yourself but for the rest of us here let's respond by doing just what we've talked about we were made for worship and so let's respond by celebrating what god has done by celebrating the fact that he has given us a new identity, a new purpose, and a new home. Uh, One I pray for us as the, the band comes up and we sing to close our time together. Lord God, we want to thank you so much and praise you for what you have done in giving us a living stone, a new foundation. We thank you that no matter where we're from or our background or, or our past, our religious experience, we can find a welcome in your family. And it's all because of Jesus. Lord God, I pray for anyone here that's new to Jesus. I pray you would speak to them, open their eyes, see the glory of our Lord Jesus, his humble heart that would be willing to bleed for them, Lord God. And I pray that anyone that's feeling lonely or disconnected would find a warm welcome in a home here with us in this little community. Lord God, you are so good. How can we do anything but praise you? We love you, Lord, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.